I'm Afshan Ratansi. Welcome to Going Underground, broadcasting all around the world from Dubai in the UAE. You wait thousands of years for a peace deal, and then two come within a few weeks of each other. After the Saudi Arabia-Iran deal came Xi Jinping's state visit to Moscow, where Putin said mutual relations were more than an alliance. So now could a Communist Party-brokered peace deal end Washington's war on Russia through Ukraine? Or will the export of British depleted uranium to Kiev and Antony Blinken's warnings against a ceasefire continue the war? to the last Ukrainian as Russia and China hail their friendship and relations that have reached their highest point in history. I'm joined now from the city that gives its name to a possible rival to NATO, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, by Emeritus Professor of International History and Politics at the Geneva Graduate Institute and Distinguished Fellow at the International Peace and Security Think Tank, the Stimson Center, Professor Zhang Langxin. Thank you so much, Professor, for uh, uh, coming on. I thought Zhuan Lai said, uh, I think it's apocryphal, that it was too early to tell uh, as regards the French Revolution. Uh, what's going on? China organizing Saudi-Iran uh, diplomatic deals and then a visit to Moscow. Uh, huge change. Yes, yes. Uh, I think this is uh, long in the making, uh, first of all. Uh, I think the basic idea behind it uh, as a strategic concept is that uh, uh, United States, uh, particularly I'm talking about United States, but Europe to some extent, has uh, identified China being systemic rival or, you know, kind of Cold War language and uh, uh, basically uh, thinking about China these days, the last few years, as a pure zero-sum game. Anywhere, any place, anytime China gains something will be their loss. Now, China find a wonderful way of trying to have a breakthrough. You know, breakthrough meaning not just uh, the the actual uh, the peacemaking uh, effort, but also they try to affect public opinion in the world about China's role in regional regional uh, security issues. They cannot deal with the United States anymore. Be honest uh, on Taiwan question on other question. Pretty much gave up, uh, if I'm not exaggerating. Uh, so they say we can move around. But you mentioned reputation there. You mentioned reputation. Yeah, yeah. Of course, the United States has an yeah. amazing, uh, arguable propaganda yeah. uh, mm -hmm. department. I mean, CGTN is banned in uh, NATO nations. In Britain, it's uh, banned. Sure. Uh, I'm sure you'll have watched uh, with amazement uh, as every US network, uh, as if in a totalitarian state uh, covered the Chinese spy balloon as, uh, as uh, multi-million dollar missiles were sent to destroy it. Uh, surely uh, its reputation of China in NATO countries in the European Union and in the United States is an all-time low. Well, that's, that's true. But remember, the US mentality is something very close to uh, early 1950s. <laughs> Uh, it's kind of his, hysterical, uh, I must say. It's kind of panic. Uh, where the panic come from, I believe it's a deadly combination of two historical trends of thinking uh, popular in the West. Now they combine together when they, whenever they think about China. One is the fear of decline. Now, remember this whole Spengler 
uh, uh, you know, uh, philosophy about the decline of the West and the United States in particular being number one for so long, <laughs> suddenly facing the possibility of decline. So declininism or spenglerism then combined with a racial concept which has been popular uh, in late 19th century, that is yellow peril. So these two things joined together really frightens the American of foreign policy elite. And is, uh, they is, were, they think is a real challenge, but they never use the language I said what they tried to, to do. But they they disguise Spenglerism and the yellow peril sentiment with ideological, you know, autocracy versus democracy. A typical Cold War tactic. So it's not even sincere. But surely those policymakers in Washington realize that the components of uh, of uh, all their technology uh, come from China, the uh, treasury bills, the bond holding, okay, it's reduced sure. by uh, China, but China still has huge investment. China could pull the rug under the United States economy tomorrow. Surely they understand that. Well, the question is why China want to pull the rug. China would love to free ride post-1948 Bretton Woods or whatever system American created as long as they can. But uh, uh, sadly, they just cut short. Now, tech war is at the core. But don't forget, Oswald Spengler is the first person cry wolf in the 1930s. Last book, nobody reads it anymore about technology. He said, never let slaves, remember the Hegelian language, master-slave relationship, never let slaves to own technology they will destroy master's economy. So it's nothing really new. For me, it's just a, a history in a, a repetition. So it's it's been there for a long time, yeah. Yeah, not sure if you uh, know about how F. Scott Fitzgerald uh, uh, used yeah. J the great Gatsby about Spengler, that he was a bit of a uh -huh. fan of his, and we know what happened to uh, uh, Jay Gatsby. Why does China then if uh, if it yeah. knows this, if it knows these racist right. tropes are being used against them, why does China right. continue to, uh, say, facilitate Sri Lanka's IMF loan in the past few days rather than through BRICS? Why is it, uh, I think, uh, it's given $500 billion to Pakistan, uh, $500 million to facilitate IMF spending there. Uh, why does China seem to continue to support the Bretton Woods institutions, actually? Well they, well, they try. They try to support the uh, result of Bretton Woods, which is called globalization, free trade. Remember, China is the last defender almost today that still try to defend free trade. Xi Jinping's speech at uh, Davos a um, couple of years ago, you know, I never thought I would see that in my lifetime. Chinese communist leader uh, as a leading champion of free trade. <laughs> and the globalization. It is U.S., don't forget, the original founder of the Britain World system that abandoned the system twice. Now, the first time they abandoned the gold exchange relationship, which is a default on the world. Now it's the second one that abandoned globalization. So blaming China for that economic problem, it's kind of put a horse before the cart. I, I don't think it even logically does not make sense. Yeah, but many around the world believe the Davos system is predicated on a lie, that it's actually uh, hypocrisy yeah. uh, that uh, reigns under Klaus Schwab's uh, institution. 
And uh, how long will the Chinese Communist Party continue, given the sanctions regime that prevents this uh, dream, utopia, globalization that is always spoken of in, uh, in Davos? It was only the other day Widoko of Indonesia said, beware of well, using MasterCard yeah. and Visa. Well, remember, the uh, sanctioned regime was revived actively precisely because the U.S. want to abandon the original system, or original world order, economic order in particular. Now, what China can do? Because China has been free riding for so long. Therefore, sanctions will hurt China quite a lot. But China tried very, very hard last, I will say start 10 years ago at least. Russian probably start even earlier. De-dollarization is one, you know, concept. Well, Russians have done wonderfully, by the way. The sanction did not destroy ruble. Uh, surprise to everybody in the West. China will move in the same direction eventually. They are selling massively the U.S. debt and uh, eventually will make RMB, uh, you know, the more uh, important international currency. So they are preparing for the worst. And at this moment, sanctions still working uh, ought to be able to damage Chinese economy. But Chinese are, well, they, you know, take the glove off now, so to speak. Let's roll. Uh, you know, let's let's fight if if you want to, because the United States suffered quite a lot as well with these sanctions. Well, not those who have uh, shares in arms companies, arguably. China, obviously. Okay. You're right. You're right. Arms companies are the only ones. Yes. China has you great are. relations. China has great relations <laughs> with Saudi Arabia. We've had people on this show say, look, uh, this talk of de-dollarization, it's still in the interest of OPEC countries to uh, keep the dollar rather than start trading in, uh, say, the renminbi or, or yuan, because... In a sense, the Chinese currency is kind yeah. of pegged to the U.S. dollar anyway, so why bother changing things? Well, it's just a question of survival. It's a question of uh, uh, avoiding the uh, what Chinese language would call long-arm uh, uh, punishment of other countries, meaning sanctions. It's a long-arm right? uh, intergovernmental... Uh, now, the whole point about this is, I think, China try to play or try to get in more into the IMF system, which is the, you know, the Britain Woods legacy. If they cannot, the only option is to reduce the usage of dollar. Now, whether or not the dollar can continue to be as strong as it looks, I doubt. Many uh, economists doubt. Many historians doubt dollar probably going to implode by itself with this debt problem, uh, you know, in how much money they print in the last few years. Uh, so it's, um, you know, they will, I, I would say, American government will pay the price for a dollar implosion next few years. But given the disparity of wealth in the United States, can the American government, the United States yeah. government, can... They can go on raising interest rates uh, to protect the dollar, regardless of the poverty mm -hmm. and the destruction of infrastructure and investment in American industry, no, the American carnage I that uh, was spoken about. Be honest, I doubt. Ronald Reagan or the Reagan Reaganomics tried it. Remember those states that they can raise as high as fifteen percent. Now, raising interest rates based on 
the idea you can attract what those days in Reagan time, hot money, massively hot money into the United States. Because these hot money, talking about uh, uh, the oil shakes, you know, everybody else tried because they want to take make money out of the interest difference, right? Which what you refer to is the sustained dollar strength. Not anymore. Uh, my, my sense is because fundamentals of the U.S. financial system, banking system, government uh, finance is uh, totally flawed, despite uh, whatever government tried to pull in, you know, uh, they are reaching a kind of, I believe, inelastic uh, conditions now with this uh, uh, dollar. So I doubt they can play uh, Reaganomics one more time. I just don't see it. Professor Zhang Lang Jin, I'll stop you there. More after this break. Welcome back to Going Underground. I'm still here with Professor Zhang Langjin, Chinese international relations scholar and distinguished fellow at the Stimson Center. I know you say it was a long time coming, but do you think the Chinese Communist Party was uh, uh, watching the defeat in Afghanistan as well as the, uh, the uh, reaction uh, by Russia to uh, concerted bombing of Donbass? Are these two factors... Yeah the uh, catalysts yeah. for the what looks like dramatic foreign policy initiatives by Xi Jinping? Sure. Uh, yeah. Well, yes, I, 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 I will say so, yes. Uh, they, they, they really uh, had a certain sense, you can say schadenfreude, uh, when they see how chaotic United States repeat the Saigon uh, retreat after so many years. Which they, <laughs> uh, then of course the uh, Russian uh, uh, invasion. Uh, I know Chinese government never used that word. I, as a scholar, I will use that word. It is the invasion, uh, which uh, certainly is not abide by international law. But don't forget again, China always uh, sees NATO enlargements as a threat, not only to Russia. China also felt the pressure when NATO start. Eastward expansion in 1997-98. Nobody remembered that episode, how China reacted. China almost panicked at the time. Yeah, but all China did when uh, the former House Speaker yeah. Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan was to do a big drill. I mean, you know, some people were asking, why doesn't China, uh, uh, I don't know, Xi Jinping visit Havana? Visit Havana or, uh, or do something more than just a big military drill right, in this world. Right. No, no, I don't think the timing is right. But don't forget, this drill, drill, uh, this drill is not all the other drill. It's a different drill. This is called the blockading strategy. This could be, could be one of the future uh, actual uh, military operation plan. This is uh, actually provide an opportunity for them to really... Uh, uh, you know, a real fire uh, exercise surrounding Taiwan. Don't, don't forget, this is the first time. This is the blockade could be one of the plans. You see, 
Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> certainly on Fox News they talk like that. <laughs> they talk like that. Right. But of course, the Americans have lots. Uh, <laughs> they have lots of uh, right. personnel apart from all the bases that circle you in Shanghai, the U.S. bases. Yeah. Uh, Sixteen uh, sure. people, sixteen Chinese workers killed in the Central African Republic oh. just ahead of the yeah. uh, Xi visit to Moscow. China has a lot of infrastructure <laughs> that could be bombed. We know that Cy Hirsch revealed the destruction, <laughs> perhaps the greatest uh, infrastructure. Uh, terror act in all history, the Nord Stream pipeline supplying energy to Europe. Surely China is very sure. vulnerable in Latin America and Africa and Southeast Asia to uh, any kind of CIA Nord Stream style attack. That's possible. That's that's always possible, depending on uh, how much, well, you know, tension uh, will develop between US and China. Uh, let's say um, if China started military operation against Taiwan, Will United States really do a full-scale warfare with China? Uh, I doubt it, really, despite Biden's four infamous tongue slips says we would do it. I don't think U.S. military is ready. U.S., uh, you know, the overall strategy and even military deployment are ready. The only thing well, with allies, something called Quad, but the Quad is really at rather primitive stage. I don't believe they're reaching the level of so-called interoperability to coordinate a war on behalf of Taiwan. Okay. Uh, you think so, President Tsai, um, you, you think they it. were talking about that when President, I mean, President Tsai visiting the United States, apparently just in transit yeah. on a Central American tour. Sure. Uh, are they actively the discussing this? <clears throat> yes, it's a huge issue. Uh, this is another major provocation. If remember, it's not just transit; it's a who. The question: Who is going to see her? Okay. If you have Anthony Blinken, well, well, nothing will be in public, will it? It won't be in public. Oh, the U.S. system—they're never—they're never able to keep secrets. Don't forget. So, uh, I, I'm sure that it's going to be public. If if at level Anthony Blinken. That's a major, major provocative. Kevin McCarthy, yes, it's a major one, but that's even one ladder below Nancy Pelosi in terms of provocation, because Nancy Pelosi, uh, the same party with the Democrat, right? It's the same <laughs> uh, Democrat government. And uh, Kevin, it's, uh, McCarthy is the opposition party. McCarthy, of course, who won't, uh, who won't go and uh, see Zelensky and who's being attacked in NATO nation media. What about Japan? Right, right. What about, I mean, we've seen a Biden well, expansionism yeah. in the Philippines. You're saying, yeah. you know, you, you don't right. think Biden is going to no, no. go for it. We've seen it in the Philippines. Fumio Kishida in Kiev. What's that? What is sure. that about as the IMF organizes a $15.6 billion right. uh, deal, which presumably China must have known about because China <laughs> invests in the IMF? Sure. Yeah, but the deal is not for military reasons, right? IMF will never give the, the, that deal for military reasons. Uh, Japan and others, now, or Philippines, uh, the base, right, the recent of a few base, these are all part of what American called Indo-Pacific strategy. I, we note, I know that, uh, I followed very closely. Don't forget, I, I say it, it's still at relatively primitive stage. They are trying to form a, a strategic encirclement or containment, you know, military containment uh, uh, against China. Fine. 
this, you know, it's a slow emotion, but it's there. But I doubt this is really very useful vis-a-vis um, -vis the Taiwan issue. It does not help. It does not help stabilize the Taiwan Strait at all. Uh, so, because that could, pro pro you see, militarily, if you are sitting in Beijing, uh, I, I'm the commander in chief. Do, do I have to wait until watching you slowly to finish your deployments? That's <laughs> what they've been doing the past 20 years. The, yeah, no, no, you know, the last few years they really speed up. In the 20 years they don't have quad, they don't have all the other stuff, uh, or AUKUS, you know, with the UK. So what I'm trying to say is we cannot watch you to do it because we are we have convinced this is what you're going to do to make Taiwan a separate political entity forever. That that is the Chinese calculation. Okay. Despite the U.S. Uh, rhetoric, we never change one China policy. They don't even believe they are not changing it, not, not to mention Chinese. There is zero uh, serious communication on Taiwan question now. I mean, you see, they talk about they talk completely different language. Yeah, looking both ways is something that perhaps uh, yeah. uh, was shown from the ICC uh, arrest warrant for Vladimir yeah. Putin issued on the eve of the uh, visit by... Sure. Uh, uh, Xi Jinping to Moscow because, of Fine. course, the U.S. say they would invade Holland uh, if uh, any yeah, US it's a good pro good pro good propaganda value, yeah, for sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if we can dispense with the ICC, then what about the weaponization of human yeah. rights? Because, as you know, and uh, so given that you uh -huh. teach in the United <clears throat> States, you must have been aware of the right. propaganda campaign uh, we we. Uh, actually showed on uh -huh. this program how the Uyghur yeah. uh, propaganda story was amplified. Yeah. Uh, do you expect the weaponization of human rights to go on steroids? I should say Kareem Khan, the ICC lawyer, has been on this show. Uh, should we expect sure. more and more yeah. stories saying that where you live, where you're speaking to me from, Shanghai, is a cesspit of uh, human yeah. rights violations? I, uh, China always have, you know, we, we know China has uh, uh, very uh, serious human rights problems. Um, it's the Uyghur issue in Xinjiang really uh, qualified as American defied as a genocide. That's a nonsense. I don't agree. Now, do I think that the policy itself is wise? Not really, either. I, I will say I would criticize both sides, but who is weaponizing human rights? That's my question here. Mainly the Western part uh, of the world. That, that, that's my sense. Uh, now become a major instrument for uh, uh, great power diplomacy. Remember, during the original Cold War, there is a human rights issue, Helsinki you know, uh, agreement, all that. Uh, you never hear the American leaders constantly using uh, Chinese Communist Party instead of People's Republic of China. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, arguably, the Global a, South doesn't care anyway. The Global South knows about Abu Ghraib and the prison on Guantanamo that's still open. So, arguably, that that kind of well, uh, but, yeah element. But, but the, the idea, the, the the very idea, trying to separate Communist Party from PRC itself, it a is not historical. They don't know what they're talking about. B is not realistic in any case. This is invented by people like Pompeo, don't forget. Very much so. It's become a common language now. Uh, 
uh, U.S. You know, U.S. leaders are using. Uh, some European politicians use. It's absurd uh, to using human rights issue as a major instrument for great power politics. Remember, I emphasize great power politics. Great power politics. You need to be pragmatic. You disagree with ideology, regimes, you know, character. Fine. But let's sit down to make a deal. See, the ultimate issue is peace or war. This is something many forgot. Europeans certainly uh, uh, these days are, they are not aware the damage they have done to jump on American unilateral interpretation of Taiwan issue. Because remember, there was always a two sides interpretation. If you follow the history of the Taiwan questions, uh, since Richard Nixon and Henry Kissinger. Okay. Well, if, if the United States is declining, will Europe die before the United yeah. States as a powerhouse of the, of the economy? I mean, I should say Europe is paying for this Russian war. It's still buying Russian that's, energy. That's sure. And obviously China that's, is that's, paying for the yeah. war by bypassing yeah. the sanctions. Uh, I don't know whether China will send weapons. Yeah. Do you think China will send weapons to Russia? I, I don't think they will send straightforward, no. I don't think Russia needs uh, it, according uh, to Russia. Dual use. No, no, no. Remember, it's always possibility for dual use, right? So, uh, how can you define dual use as a sending weapons to, to the Russians? Uh, so, dual use is always possible. It's according to the bilateral treaties, the trade treaty between China and Russia. We continue to do that. Do you expect closer nuclear weapons cooperation? Already American think tanks are alarmed by the fact Rosatom and uh, China are talking uh, about close cooperation over nuclear weapons. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, uh, well, they're alarmed. Remember, before, they asked China, uh, let's have a nuclear talk. Now, today, the situation, as I said, is into a period of McCarthy's, almost like a McCarthy period. It's a black-white uh, zero sum. Any proposal uh, made by China, uh, they have to say what's the conspiracy behind it. You know what, what, what what's driving that? Uh, I don't know why. Uh, I'm currently with Harvard Belfer Center Kennedy School in a nuclear program. If you want to refer to that, I'm very happy because uh, I'm still a research fellow there. We are working on that. I'm the one trying to do. Track two, you know, if we cannot do track one, uh, let's talk about nuclear issues. But so far, American side are less, uh, they changed their attitude. Before they pushed China. <laughs> so uh, we are really in the situation where communication become uh, almost impossible. It's dangerous with for great power relations. Professor Zhang Langjing, thank you. And that's it for the show. Remember, we'll be bringing you brand new episodes every Saturday and Monday, so stay tuned. Meanwhile, you can keep in touch by all our social media if it's not censored in your country and head to our channel, Going Underground TV on rumble.com to watch new and old episodes of Going Underground. See you Saturday.